Welcome back to the GOAT District. We were on last night uh, drafting an, an FFPC main event team. Uh, today I have Jacob Sanderson, um, who I'm really happy to finally get on the GOAT District. Jacob's uh, a really, really sharp guy. Um, you know his work from Dynasty Tilt and also his great writing on, on Player Profiler. How are you doing today, Jacob? Man, I'm doing good. I'm pumped up. This is the like one of the most exciting days of the year. We finally get uh, we finally get all the 53s coming in. Um, that's going to be an absolute blast. So we get to track, um, get to find out which of our backup running back picks from round 17 and round 18 survive, which ones don't survive. Uh, it's a really really fun time. And I mean, getting closer and closer to football season. We're well into FFPC draft season. I, I think I've done three teams so far over there. I'm doing uh, a fourth one tomorrow night. So this is a, it's a really fun time to chat. Awesome. Well, let's get it started. Goat district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Awesome. Yeah. So we're, we're less than 10 days out. So I'm glad I got you on here. Um, I want to react to uh, see your reaction to a couple of recent developments that's kind of shaking up. You know, we, we oftentimes we see like the back half of these drafts start to radically change this close to the season. Um, two rising tight ends that we're really seeing are Brevin Jordan and Isaiah Likely. Mm. What's your reaction to these guys? Um, are these guys you're, you're willing to take shots on? Um, and how will it, how high are you willing to push him up? Yeah, Brevin Jordan is a guy that I've been super into, even like way back in the early season. I think he, I think on underdog right now he's my third most drafted tight end. Um, he's in an interesting spot. I'm actually not 100 percent sure why he's rising. I, I assume it's because of the preseason usage. But there's also some there's also some sharp, I'll say this there's some very sharp money yeah, on Brevin Jordan. On so. Uh, that's I think that I think that's uh, done it a little bit, um, and I think that we we also see some very sharp analysts talking about the the preseason usage you're referencing. So I think that's yeah, we've seen a rise, big rise. My concern with the preseason preseason usage stuff is that so I was really on him early in the year because it looked like I mean I thought potentially he was drawing live to be number two on that team in targets. Really, they don't have anyone established after Brandon Cooks. I know Nico Collins got a lot of love. Um, and then especially after the Mechie injury, it was like, okay, well, they're probably going to be running a lot more 12 personnel. That takes under target earner off the field. I still believe that. The interesting thing is that the news we mostly got in early camp was that Farrow Brown was potentially the quote-unquote starting tight end. And then he missed a lot of preseason with an injury. And so Brevin was running a ton of routes. Now, I, I actually don't care that much about the Farrow Brown stuff. I think Farrow Brown is going to play in line. 
And I think Brevin will be playing like the F tight end role, which is going to be the role that runs a lot of the routes. And they're going to be a 12 personnel base. That being said, I think that they'll mix in some 11 personnel. And if they're playing Brown over Jordan in 11 personnel, his route rate isn't going to approach the 80% that it's been. It's going to be more in the mid sixties. All that being said, I mean, Pharaoh Brown is not an insurmountable obstacle. If Brevin Jordan's able to play well in his role, I'm sure he can earn more 11 personnel snaps. He's the top receiving tight end on the team. And he was a really interesting prospect profile where the only thing he was really missing was the athleticism. And, and ultimately, that matters a lot at tight end. But I still want to see that production profile. And it was exciting to see that. Isaiah Likely, someone similar to Brevin Jordan, where he had a really strong production profile coming out of college. But the athleticism didn't test particularly well. You know, both those things matter, especially tight end. The athleticism matters more than almost any other position. But I, I'm still always going to be production first. So both those guys are interesting. I probably prefer Brevin Jordan just based on that he has, I think, a pretty live path to be the number two target on the team or maybe co-number two with Nico Collins, whereas Isaiah Likely is going to be tough. He's going to need 12 personnel to get, off the, get on the field. Now, they'll run that a lot. But even when on the field, he's still pretty clearly behind in the pecking order, behind uh, Mark Andrews, of course, and Rashad Bateman. If Mark Andrews is to get hurt, then it's wheels up. You know, potentially we have a top 12 tight end. But um, for as long as they have Andrews uh, there, I, I still think he's pretty limited in terms of what personnel he can get into. And so he's a little bit tougher to envision as like a tight end one. It's it's interesting. Yeah, there was a, a stat where – no, no tight end who's ever had over 99 yards and a half in a preseason game has ever finished lower than tight end 20 on the year. So tight end 20 might get brushed off in some formats, but like FFPC, a little tight end 20 on your bench can be can be helpful at times. So he's super, super interesting. Um, two wide receivers we're, we're seeing get pushed up the board um, in recent drafts are Tyreek Hill. I was recently in a draft in NFFC where he went ahead of CeeDee Lamb um, very close to the one-two turn. And Gabe Davis, who has been like a rocket ship all summer long. What is your reaction to these these two guys? Um, are they players you're willing to take at ADP right now? Uh, so Gabe, on occasion, I've taken him on one of my FFPC teams, but not at ADP. I think we got him at the 501, um, which was a little bit behind ADP. Um He's one of a lot of guys that I think is a really interesting high upside bet in the fourth round. He tends to go a little bit closer uh, to the top of that fourth round as things have climbed up, especially on underdog. Um, I prefer Juju and Judy in that range. That being said, I, I definitely want Gabe in my portfolio. He's definitely a guy that I mix in on occasion, especially if he falls a little bit. Um, but he's kind of a, at the more expensive end of the tier, and he's not necessarily my favorite in the tier. But I, I want Gabe in my portfolio. Um Tyreek Hill is not a guy I'm targeting. I, I mean, he's a fantastic player, uh, of course. Um, so I, I certainly think he has a very legitimate ceiling that can go off. It's just the opportunity cost in that range. Uh, the wide receivers that I really prefer drafting are A.J. Brown and T. Higgins. Um, also, you can occasionally get Kyle Pitts to fall in that range. And then also, we often look at uh, Javante Williams, Leonard Fournette uh, being in that type of range as well. I prefer both those running backs. I prefer Kyle Pitts by, by a lot. Uh, and then I, I do prefer A.J. Brown and T. Higgins as well. Um, personally in my ranks and my projections, I actually have Jalen Waddle, um, slightly ahead of Tyreek Hill straight up. That's probably one of my more bold stands. So I dropped a lot of Waddle, um, at the three, four turn rather than Hill, the two, three turn. Uh, certainly if Hill was going where Waddle was going at the three, four turn, I would draft a lot of Hill, but I, I really do see those two as closer to interchangeable in terms of value. And 
even though the distance in ADP isn't that massive, the opportunity cost really is, or at least it is to me. I, I just, I'm really, really into targeting AJ Brown, T Higgins, Kyle Pitts, Javante Williams, Leonard Fournette, much, much more than I'm interested in targeting the, the folks going around Waddle, the um, Mike Williams, uh, Corlin Sutton, Gabriel Davis, James Connor, Travis Etienne, those guys, I really see them as a, as a step down um, altogether from that, uh, group of players going around Tyreek Hill while I don't necessarily see Hill and Waddle in a different tier. So I'm playing the Dolphins through Waddle, really. I love the Waddle take. I have I have a lot more Waddle um, than I do Tyreek Hill. Um, I, I really like your call about how taking him in that range, I guess it's – it's you, you've already seen him have 100 receptions, and I think he's got some unknown upside. And the, the thing that stuck out with me a little bit was Mike McDaniel, when he talked about getting Tyreek Hill – he talked about the pressure that he puts on defenses. I think that like stylistically Tyreek could make the offense better, but Waddle could be the big beneficiary. Um, so I love that you're on him and that's a range we've seen kind of league winners come from. So that's a, that's a good one. Um, getting a little uglier than Gabe Davis and Tyreek Hill. Um, let's talk a little bit about this chief's backfield. It looks like Rojo is going to make the roster. Yeah. Is there a chief running back that you're looking to draft right now? Do you have a preference? Yeah, it's it's my preference is probably Clyde at this point. Uh, I've been drafting all of them to some degree at, at different parts of the season. I think that this this Rojo stuff is probably the worst news for Pacheco and for McKinnon than anybody else. And what I would expect to see happen, though it's extremely fluid, so I, I have no idea. What I would expect to see happen is that they have the three running backs active on game days when everyone's healthy, being Ch. Uh, Pacheco and McKinnon. McKinnon seems to have a standalone role as the third down running back, two minute drill running back, um, similar to the role that Daryl Williams played last year and McKinnon played at times. CH is the lead back. And then Pacheco, I think, is clearly the game day backup also because he's the kick returner. So he's going to be active on game days regardless. He's the starting kick returner for that team. Uh, I doubt that they keep Rojo active on game days if the other three are healthy. That being said, um, clearly, if you keep Ronald Jones, you have a plan for Ronald Jones. And so I imagine if one of those other running backs gets hurt, then Ronald Jones works his way into being active on game days. I think the issue is I'm not that concerned about it for Clyde because I think Clyde's position remains the same as long as he's healthy. If Pacheco goes down and Rojo comes up, great. If McKinnon goes down, I don't think there's a reason to think that Pacheco or Rojo, certainly not Rojo, is any more qualified to play that third down uh, two-minute dr- drill role that McKinnon is than Clyde edwards Hilaire would. So he might be able to get more of that work on a McKinnon injury versus if Clyde goes down now, I think that, you know, McKinnon might just stay in his exact role. Pacheco and Rojo now split the CEH early down component of the role. And then similarly, you know, if, if CEH gets hurt, Pacheco might get an upgrade, but Rojo probably takes a big chunk of it versus I think his best case scenario would have been getting the full early down role in a two-man committee with McKinnon. McKinnon's best case scenario would have been getting a piece of that role plus keeping his long down distance role. And then Rojo, I mean, he's, he's it's good that he made the team, I guess, but he's still in a really uphill battle because he's probably not active on game days. His best case scenario, I think, is probably splitting an early down role with Pacheco if Clyde gets hurt. So I think really to see a massive contingent ceiling, any of the non-Clyde backs probably need two injuries now, which is it puts him in a difficult position. Um, so I, I think it's, it's a downgrade for the running back room as a whole. It's probably not a major change for Clyde, I think, because I think his role is, is secure as the lead early down back. And then you're hoping to see, if you're a Clyde manager, that McKinnon gets hurt or goes down at some point. And then he's able to get 
a decent chunk of the early down and he's able to get the passing down work. I think that's his ceiling outcome. Where would be a range that you'd be comfortable taking Clyde? Cause I'm kind of on that train where I am not afraid to draft Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, but I kind of like him more when he falls. Mm. So I'll give you like a OTC and I know you're a Tony Pollard stand. Yeah. Tony Pollard or, or Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, in managed, I prefer Pollard. In best ball, I prefer Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Elijah Mitchell or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Clyde. Clyde? Okay. Yeah. Um, like, that That one's interesting. I'll give you one more. Chase Edmonds or Clyde? Um, I would take Clyde. So I might go Edmonds on that one. Um, but like he's Edmonds. kind of – yeah, it's it's kind of in that range where oftentimes it, you're, you're seeing, like, the wide receivers get dried up. Um, but I, I think that you might be onto something. I think it's probably Clyde. After a summer of debate, we just come back to Clyde at, at a discount. Um, and if even if I think that even if we get like ten usable weeks out of him, um, then that's a W. If you're getting that in the in the seventh round, um, yeah, he's a guy for sure. Though, like I, I, I'm more into him in best ball than on FFPC. I, I draft a lot of Clyde on best ball. Same with kind of all the Chiefs running backs. Like I, I just foresee situations where. There are, are a lot of games where Clyde has like 45 to 55% snap shares. He's kind of a tough start, but he's going to accumulate enough points in best ball where he's going to have kind of a safe floor of around 9 to 10. And then he's going to have spike games where he punches in a couple touchdowns where he breaks a screen pass or something like that. And I, he has that sort of like bacon floor plus inconsistent spike weeks whereas in best ball like i prefer to go for the guys who i think are or sorry in manage i prefer to go for the guys who are more locked in starters um i don't really care that much about the floor because if you're on my bench like having a floor of eight points is meaningless to me right so like pollard is a guy for sure where it's like okay um either he's just going to chill on my bench until a zeke injury uh you know and then and then if zeke gets hurt then pollard is an elite top five level start and then or, you know, maybe he's able to have that role in the pass game that's been teased to the point where he's like a Kareem Hunt-esque uh, every week starter. Uh, in best ball, I'm really, really into Clyde. And, and managed, I, I I would be open to drafting him. I haven't yet. I, I looked at him a couple times in the mid-seventh, and there was always a wide receiver that I liked more that was available. But. Yeah, I just don't want to get shut out of Clyde in, um, you know, these higher stakes formats. Yeah. Um, I have a little bit of him in some early football guys drafts. Um, but again, it's it's just a weird situation and uh, it has not been one I've been diving into. And maybe that's a mistake. Kenyon Drake to Baltimore. It sounds like it's going to happen. Would you have any interest in that? Um, It seems like he's landing almost perfectly with the situation where Dobbins could potentially start the year on the pup. Gus is already going to miss a month. um, And his competition would be Mike Davis and uh, Tyler Beatty, um, who sounds like they're, they're not really into those guys if they're bringing in Drake this late. Does he interest you at all the double-digit rounds if he signs with more? Yeah, he would. I mean, all that comes down to what's going to happen with Dobbins, right? Like, if Dobbins is out there, then you're looking at, at best, he's the RB2, um, you know, for the early weeks. I don't know what's going to happen with Dobbins. I imagine we'll get more clarity on that soon. Uh, it would surprise me if he's just straight up put on pop. I, I think the way that it's been taking. I think they're probably slow playing it. I, I'm not sure if he's out there week one, but I, I would be surprised if he missed the full first four weeks. Um, but it could totally happen. It, it seems like a very fluid injury situation. Um, I think Drake, probably I would rather have him than Mike Davis and Tyler Beatty, but 
I, even if Dobbins was out there, it wouldn't surprise me if they're using three running backs. I mean, that's kind of what they did last year. They were putting this poo-poo platter together of, of these running backs uh, until one emerged that was eventually Devontae Freeman. I'm not sure that they would have one emerge, you know, immediately in this scenario. And then certainly if Dobbins is out there, you know, Drake might still be splitting whatever's left over with, with Davis, um, with, with uh, Beatty. And I, I think Dobbins, you know, even if he's not out there week one, he's going to be back soon enough in the season. And I guess my concern with Drake is, you're not starting on week one because you have no idea how it's going to work. Even if Dobbins is out, I don't think you can start any of these Ravens running backs week one managed because you're just not sure how it's going to operate. And then you got to love the matchup against the Jets. If you're running back, you 80, like that could be a, a beatdown game. Yeah, that'd be a tough start for me, though. Like, yeah, I I mean, how would we You'd have, have to be in a weird running back spot? You'd have to be in a in like a real ugly hero build or zero build to consider that. Yeah, um, I mean, I'd probably rather just start like Amir Abdullah, to be honest. I love that. Like, Talk I, I about don't know, I just, cool then, be, Jacob. I, I'd love well, to hear you clarify that. Yeah, so, I mean, Abdullah looks like he's going to be playing the third down, long down distance role on on Las Vegas. Uh, they're in a really positive matchup for that type of role in week one against the Chargers, where you're probably going to see a shootout. And so, if, if Abdullah does indeed have that role that he's been projected for, then, you know, I'd expect him to probably be running uh, 15 to 20 routes, you know, maybe catching – three, four balls. Um, and to me, that's like a nice, it's a decent floor of around eight points or so uh, that you're probably going to get from Abdullah, six to eight points. It's not great, but like, I think the floor on Ravens running back would be zero. Um, you know, even if Dobbins is out, it's just Davis, Drake, Beatty. I really don't know like who's playing, who's playing snaps, who's playing what roles. Like it would just be really sketchy to me to roll one of those guys out. And then, so let's say Dobbins is out week one and then we see how it works out in week one. You know, Drake, okay, Drake played 50% of the snaps. He's the guy until Dobbins returns. Then you, then you get Dobbins out week two, perhaps. Okay, then maybe you start Drake in week two. And then, like, how much more time is Dobbins going to miss? Like, it's just that's that's my issue with it is, like, I don't think you can start one in week one. Then you need Dobbins to miss another week at least to ever start them. And, like, I don't know. I just feel like you're going to have waiver wire ads that come off of week one that are potentially going to be more startable. So, uh, I'm – Sure, in the last round, if, if I had to take one of Beatty, Davis, or Drake, it'd be Drake. But I'm, I'm probably not banking on, on any of those guys to make a major impact. I, I mean, I'd be, I guess if Dobbins is going to miss like six weeks or something, then sure. But I, I don't know. I don't think that that's particularly likely. It's, 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 it's really ugly. It's a choppy situation. Um, maybe, maybe we should just be drafting Bateman and, and uh, Andrews more aggressively because they're going to have a big role week one. Um, Alexander Madison looks like he might get traded. Would you have any interest in – and I'm sure Madison might land in a spot where we'd be aggressively trying to get him. I think that's a possibility. But would you prefer uh, Kine Nwengu or Ty Chandler um, if Madison is moved? Yeah, first of all, I don't think Madison's actually going to get traded. But um, I, I think that I think they need – they probably would be able to get like a fifth-round comp pick for him if he walks for nothing, maybe even a fourth. Um, so you're going to need to see a team give more than that um, for it to actually be worth – it for them to forego their backup running back um i think you probably need to see them get like a third i don't know is the team gonna pay a third for alexander madison uh it, it seems unlikely to me so i i think i'd be betting against him being traded that being said if he is i prefer ty chandler uh Kanae wangwu um really fantastic athlete um and he has some excuses for his college lack of production where he did tear an achilles he played by Brees hall for two years yep. that being said like his profile looks more like a kick returner profile to me than a running back profile. He has like seven career receptions in college. 
Um, he never crested over 61 carries in college. So I'm just not sure that he's much more at this point than an athlete, kind of gadget player, space player, kick return player. Um, Ty Chandler, not the most impressive profile in the world to me either. He's a 24-year-old rookie, didn't really produce much until he transferred from Tennessee to North Carolina. Um, but he had some utility in the past game. I think he has around in the neighborhood of like 50 uh, career receptions in college. And then you also have one of these season as a clear lead rusher, at least at the ACC level, where I think he had about 1,200 rushing yards that last year in North Carolina. I don't have the stats right in front of me, but um, – We've seen him be a high-volume rusher before. We haven't with Nwangwu. Um, and so for that reason, I, I do prefer Chandler if uh, Madison was to be out. And I agree with Dan. Like, if a team's going to only trade a fifth for Madison, well, they're probably going to get a fifth for Madison letting him walk at the end of the year for nothing with a comp pick. So to me, it's like, why would you um, – I don't know. That just seems very lateral to me. To, to the, the, timing, the timing seems odd, too, to get this this deep into it and then and move me on. I, it's just an interesting, fluid situation. Um, one, one last – Recent news question. Are you changing anything in your approach with Trey Lance um, with Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo uh, signing? Or is it more of a Lance is going to be the same fantasy asset, but perhaps uh, I need to roster a backup quarterback in case they make a change because of, you know, losing a game or two um, or an untimely turnover? Yeah, I have no concerns about Lance. Um, I, I just I, I just don't see the, the – being a realistic possibility that he's replaced if he's not um, injured. I mean, if you think about the scenarios, right? Um, think about the scenarios where he gets he gets put on the bench at any point. Like it, it would be essentially a point where they've lost games, their season isn't so far gone that they can't make the playoffs. And then what are you trying to accomplish? Like how short-sighted would it be where, okay, let's say that they're like, I don't know, three and five, kind of like they were last year. And they decide we're going to go with, with Jimmy, who led us back from this last year. Well, to me, it's such a lose-lose scenario. Like, if, if, what's the best you can hope for at that point? That Jimmy leads you to the playoffs? Like, well, then what the hell do you do? You know, like you then it's almost like at that point, for it to work, as in you start winning games and you make the playoffs, like, then it's, then it's saying, okay, moving to Jimmy is what did this. So then how do you go with Lance next year? I mean, I, I just don't see how you can essentially put yourself in a position where you could be perceived to have given up on a third overall pick uh, halfway through his first year starting. So I, I really don't foresee a scenario where unless he's injured, um, there's replacing him. And maybe there's like a scenario like two if it's Patrick, where there's like an in-game replacement at some point where it's like, okay, he's playing bad. We'll put in Jimmy for the second half. And then Lance starts again next week. That's like maybe possible. I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not adjusting my rank on, on Lance. Me neither. And I, in fact, I think you might see um, a slight discount. And I think that it, it might also be. So for instance, I'm in a slow main event right now with Andrew Schellenberg and the guilds. And uh, we took Trey Lance in, in the eighth round I did another one recently where we saw him fall to like the 12th round where he, it's kind of funny where he'll get pushed up in terms of like the, when the, when the quarterback run happens, now you might get a slight discount on that. So I think that I'm still very aggressively drafting Trey Lance. Mm -hmm. um, if this news uh, affects anything, I think, you know, you absolutely take the discount um, and he's got such a high fantasy ceiling. If this is just, it's fluff. It's a good backup quarterback on a team that thinks they can win the Super Bowl. Um, wanted to get your opinions. We had Dalton Cates on last week, and I talked to him about positional teammate, teammates being mispriced. We saw this last year. Um, Debo Samuel was going behind Brandon Ayuk. Cooper Cup was going behind Robert Woods. 
We saw it in the running back ranks with Leonard Fournette being drafted behind Ronald Jones, Devin Singletary being drafted behind Zach Moss, um, and James Conner, of course, being drafted behind Chase Edmonds. All smashed. All were were fantasy league winners. Um, We already addressed Waddle versus uh, Tyreek Hill. Um, Wanted to get your uh, quick opinions on Keenan Allen versus Mike Williams. Is there a receiver that you prefer on the Chargers at ADP? I prefer Mike Williams, although I'm not particularly targeting either of the Chargers wide receivers. Um, in a managed format, I guess, FFPC, I probably like Keenan a little bit more. I honestly haven't given it a ton of thought because I sure. don't draft Keenan at his ADP anyways. Um, but in like underdog scenario, half PPR, where you're looking for spike weeks, to me it's clearly Mike Williams that I prefer straight up. Um I'm more likely to draft Mike Williams at cost on FFPC because sometimes he falls fully down to that three, four turn where I think he becomes a more attractive bet. Whereas Keenan is usually going more in the early third. And again, that's just an area stacked with players. I really like, like I can often get, you know, AJ Brown or T Higgins, even after him, I would take DJ Moore ahead of him. I would take uh, Jalen Waddle ahead of him. I would strongly consider Cortland Sutton ahead of him. I don't particularly want to bet on older wide receivers that, don't have a truly elite ceiling because what we've seen is with wide receivers um, 29 and older uh, 28 and older even is that when they do decline, it's very harsh and it's very sudden. Uh, Adam Harstad has one of the best um, articles on this where I think it was called, we, we are thinking about aging wrong or we think about wide receiver aging wrong. I'm not entirely certain of the title, but since you were thinking about aging wrong and he talks about how it's not actually like when you look at an aging curve, right. That goes like this. That's an aggregation curve, which shows the sort of gradual decline in wide receiver production. But each individual wide receiver isn't actually that aggregation. Most of them, it's you're here, you're here, you're here, drop. Here, you're here, you're here, drop. But since not all are dropping at the same age, when you aggregate it and you see people sharply declining at 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, it looks like a more gradual curve than it actually is for any individual player. And I don't necessarily think that it's like, I think that Keenan Allen is going to have that this year. But Horstad's piece talks about the idea of, you know, there's all these marbles in a bag and, and each year there's slightly more black marbles that are in the bag. And if you draw black marbles, it she means your career is basically over as a relevant producer. And at 28, there might only be a couple, 29, there's a couple more, 30, there's a few more, 31, et cetera, that you get more and more each year. But what we don't usually see is that, you know, wide receivers that sharply decline, then bounce back and we don't usually necessarily see it be gradual. So I just think with Keenan, you're taking on some level of risk that one of these years, I don't think it'll be this year, but it might be this year. He's just not going to be the same player anymore. Um, And so for that reason, like I'm not predicting his demise, but I would break ties against him. And so for players that I think are of similar projection, I'm going to pick the younger player. Um, And for me, that, puts me more on Waddle, that puts me more on Moore, that puts me more on Sutton. I actually had Keenan Allen as my wide receiver fade at ADP last week on our It's a Trap show with Noah Riddell and Tommy Libretti. Um, He was almost at his career high in targets this past season. Um, All it takes is him losing 10% of his targets. Like you said, he's a kind of a a low-ceiling guy. There's plenty of players I like uh, more where he's being drafted. Um, I'm a little more into Mike Williams than you are. Um, I still, I would definitely take DJ Moore ahead of him. I definitely take Cortland Sutton, but I think there's a scenario where he has a path to wide receiver one land on a touchdown ceiling. Um, Cortland Sutton versus Jerry Judy. 
Yeah, so this is another one where I would say earlier in the season, well, pre-Tim Patrick injury, it was clearly Sutton based on the fact that I think Sutton was pretty much locked into full-time route share. Judy was was more questionable in that area. Then immediately post-Patrick injury, I preferred Judy straight just based on him over the last couple of years at least and over his career, he's generally shown a higher target earning potential than Cortland Sutton has uh, on a per route basis. His targets per route run uh, on average are much higher than Cortland Sutton's. That being said, Cortland Sutton um, does have the highest target share season among them going back into um, 2019. I think with all of the camp reporting and stuff that Sutton's going to be the one, I, I, I give that like some credence and, uh, especially just because it's such a fluid situation where we haven't seen either of them ever play with Russ. We haven't seen either of them ever play together when truly healthy, not coming off high ankle sprains or ACL tears. So I, I guess I would probably lean Sutton, I suppose, just straight up at this point in time. I'll defer to the market on that. But at cost, it's definitely Judy for me where, you know, he's going later. And I think that they're interchangeable. I have them ranked back to back. Um, so I'll, I'm, I'm probably, I'm, well, not probably, I'm definitely drafting more Judy. But I wouldn't want to put myself in a position where I'm never drafting Sun uh, because I do think that he's a really strong pick as well. So I'll take Sutton first because the market dictates it, even though I slightly prefer Judy. That being said, I want both. So I'm going to take both where I have to take both, if that makes some sense. And follow-up question, I'm kind of with you. Like, I, I want to take shots on, on both of them. I kind of like taking the discount a little bit more. Um, does the Denver wide receiver room become suddenly more appealing to you with the lack of clarity at the tight end position? We see uh, guys that are – Albert O is, you know, pushed down. Uh, Dulcich has been banged up. Do you do you see both of them potentially paying off with with very high target shares? Um, does it? Are you more apt to draft the Denver Broncos wide receiver now than maybe you were a month ago? Yeah, it's a really nice spot. I mean, their prices just haven't really adjusted. I think for the Patrick news, um, and again, I don't think that the Patrick news actually means a ton for Cortland Sutton because I think Cortland Sutton is going to run a full route share anyhow. Um, and then really what he's, what's happening is like, instead of court, instead of Tim Patrick running hundred percent of the routes beside him or looking at around hundred percent, probably around 80% of the routes beside him, you know, now that's more routes for Judy is a better target earner than Patrick. It's more routes for Hamler. I think at least has a higher target earning ceiling than Patrick. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's probably a net neutral mostly for Cortland Sutton. Uh, for Judy, it's a big positive. He gets more routes. For Hamler, it's a massive positive because now he walks into pretty clearly a starting role on the team as the wide receiver three. And then, you know, if what we're seeing in preseason is to be believed at all, and they're actually going to allot significant snaps to these blocking tight ends and run like some 12 personnel sets with guys like uh, Eric Saubert and Andrew Beck, like that's a massive boon for these wide receivers. Because, you know, if you put, I think it was Hayden Winks had an article about yards per route run by formation and how teams, you know, with 12 personnel base packages, like the Titans a couple of years ago had this really high yards per route run for their receivers because they're not competing against anyone materially for targets, right? It was pretty much just Corey Davis and AJ Brown running routes against each other. There was nobody else really to, to deal with because it was like guys like Jeff Swaim and Anthony Ferkser who weren't real factors. You know, if, if Beck and Saubert are going to play snaps on passing downs, 
that's huge news for Sutton and Judy because those guys just aren't going to ever earn targets uh, when they're out there. Um, you know, if, if it's going to be eventually Albert O and Greg Dulcich mixing in and one of them's on the field, you know, in 11 personnel on every snap, that's, that's a more uh, legitimate option. But I would say overall, we've seen really positive news on them. I think that the nice thing now too, is like, I was a little bit worried about how they were going to rotate routes because you had Sutton, you had Patrick, you had Hamler, you had Judy, you know, four receivers are probably at least worthy of some routes. Now you're really back down to just three. And so I think it's pretty, pretty clearly Sutton, Judy, two wide receiver sets, Hamler comes in and three wide receiver sets. Uh, so yeah, big, big fan of all the Broncos right now at, at cost. I think they're a really strong bet. And we've seen Russ, um, you know, produce two wide receivers, uh, you know, top 24 multiple times. And we saw last year and the year before the target shares for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett be so consolidated. I think it'd be a very similar situation in a faster paced offense. So I'm into it. Two running back uh, battles in terms of, ADP. Tony Pollard and Zeke are closer than they've ever been. A lot of times we see Zeke lately in the fifth round, early fifth, late fourth sometimes. Um, and it seems like Pollard is locked into the late sixth, occasionally dips into the early seventh. Who do you prefer at ADP in a managed league like an FFPC main yeah. event or football guys? I'm just not drafting Zeke. Uh, he, he go. I mean, I understand like, that he's probably not actually a very bad bet to hit his ADP. I think he's probably honestly a decent bet if he stays healthy, but what, what is realistically the ceiling for him? I understand that he's had a big ceiling in the past, but he's been losing a ton of work to Pollard over the last couple of years. He's not an efficient player anymore. So it's, it's highly unlikely that we're going to see him massively outproduce his expected fantasy points. Um, I think you're banking on a bunch of touchdowns to sort of climb his way to 15, 16 fantasy points per game. That would be fine. It would be a fine finish. Um, you know, certainly if he just reproduced last year's season, but had it more like equitably balanced over the course of the season, that would not be a bad result for a fourth round pick, but you're taking on all of that injury risk whenever you're taking a running back in the early rounds. I, I at least want to have a major payoff at my ceiling and I would just way rather be stacking wide receivers in round three, round four, round five, rather than messing around with Ezekiel Elliott, who I really don't see as a strong ceiling. He fell all the way to the 504 in my last FFPC draft, and we didn't even have a running back yet. We still did not take Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, we took Chris Godwin we, in that spot. We passed um, up on him last night, too. Um, he's a compiler at this point in his career, yeah. and he showed decline for two years. It's And now we have offensive line concerns. Right. Pollard has the receiving upside – Pollard has the juice on outside runs and Pollard might be using the slot. Um, I'm into Pollard. Um, I wish I had more Pollard. And I think there's a scenario where he does Zeke this year completely. Um, if Zeke starts declining, you know, mid year. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely with you on, on team. No Zeke. Um, if he falls into the sixth in like an NFFC league and I'm really, really hurting at running back, I really hope I don't, I don't fall in that grenade, but that would be an interesting one. How about a fun one? Aaron Jones, who's pretty much locked into, we occasionally see him in the beginning of the third, but let's call him a late second rounder. Yeah. And AJ Dillon, who we took last night um, in the fifth, um, he's going somewhere in the fifth or sixth round um, every draft. Do you have a preference for Green Bay running back right now, or is it a none? I don't take a ton of either just because the prices are so freaking high. 
but it really does irk me because I want to be attached to this backfield. I think that there's massive contingent upside. I believe strongly in both the talents. And like, if one of these guys gets hurt, the other one I think has the potential to really, really be a smash. Like, you know, if, if Aaron Jones was out for the season right now, AJ Dillon's probably a one, two turn pick. If, Aaron, if AJ Dillon was out for the season right now, Aaron Jones is probably a top six pick. So I don't want to just forego this backfield, but I really have to be active about when I mix them in because I, I don't, think that either is a particularly strong bet at cost while the other is healthy. Um, I view Aaron Jones pretty similar to Javante Williams, where I think it's a really strong um, talent bet and there's a strong contingent bet, but at his median projection, he's just unlikely to beat his cost. I prefer Javante straight up because I think there's a much better chance that Melvin Gordon just gets marginalized in this offense than AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon's a young ascending player. Melvin Gordon's a 29 year old player pretty content not bringing back to their roster uh, until he wound up um, languishing in free agency. So it's hard for me to draft much Jones. I want to mix him in if I can. I certainly have mixed him in more in best ball. I'm not sure if I'm going to get a man and share. Um, uh, I, I do think that with uh, AJ Dillon, you know, the nice thing that he has going for him is sometimes he's there in the sixth after all the players that I want are gone. Like if, if Elijah Moore often goes in the early sixth, um, once Elijah Moore's off the board, there's like no wide receivers that I want to draft for a, a while. Like there's just a lot of guys to me that are the same. That kind of tier of like Cooper, Thielen, Lazard uh, are just guys I don't really want to take in any draft. And then, you know, if I look past them, I'm kind of reaching for my favorite of like Ayuk, London, Devonta Smith, Kadarius Tony. you know, so I'd rather get those guys at their ADP, not reach way ahead. If I ever get a spot like that where I can get AJ Dillon in the early sixth, right in that kind of wide receiver dead zone, that's where I'd like to get him. But sometimes, I mean, I've seen him go like as high as the early fifth. And it's like, man, that is really, really expensive for a guy, you know, that's going where it's like, okay, um, I can, I can get, you know, uh, Chris Godwin here. I can get potentially even a Monroe St. Brown here and get Rashad Bateman here. I'm not taking Dylan over those guys. Um, so it's an opportunity cost thing for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds like an opportunity cost with both guys. I'm team Dylan. I, I understand the, the Aaron Jones is going to be a Kamara um, narrative, but he's never had more than 68 career targets in his career. And I think we're seeing Dylan as, as an ascending guy. And if it's more of a 50, 50 split, I'll take Dylan because I think he's got a higher receiving yeah. upside than 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 some people think. Um, that was that was really good getting your your opinions on these guys um, at cost. Remind everyone where they can find your rankings, Jacob. Yeah, you can find my ranks, which are set to FFPC's format. Uh, those are all going to be either in the Full Tilt Discord, which is free to enter, or they're in the Bulletproof Discord, where you can find uh, all my content as well as um, so many other great analysts in the Bulletproof Discord. And you can find my redraft tiers and ranks. I have them split up into essentially I have ranks. I also have them split up into four tiers, which is basically players who are what I consider the breakout archetype. I define that in my ranking sheet players who are not. And then within that, those ones who I think their cost is palatable in terms of their opportunity cost uh, and those that aren't. And then I sort of break that up into four and identify who my centerpiece players are. So if you want to check those out, make sure to, uh, to check that out in the full tilt discord or in the bulletproof discord. Yeah. And, and anybody listening to this, here's how sharp Jacob is definitely check out his rankings. I think they'd be beneficial to anybody drafting uh, up into the season. I'm going to quickly add our draft board from last night. Can awesome. you see this well, Jacob? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so 
I want to talk to you about trying to identify the very best picks. A lot of times we see the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth round if we want to push it. Um, produce guys that absolutely crush at ADP, um, and they can be the difference between winning and losing these high-stakes formats. We can basically start with Lazard. And uh, we're, we are, by the way, we're team four. So if you want to find the best-looking team on the board, it's easy. We're team four. And we did go A.J. Dillon early, but we were unbelievably loaded at wide receiver with Cooper Cup, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, uh, Hollywood Brown start. So Dylan made some sense. We took him right ahead of Zeke. I'm really glad I didn't take Zeke um, after you eviscerated him to have to show you this board and ruin your morning. Um, so maybe we'll start with the seventh round. We see Alan Lazard to start the seventh. Then we see Mitchell and CEH followed up by our pick of Brandon Ayuk nice. and then followed up by a falling Cam Akers. Starting with the first half of that seventh round, is there anybody in that seventh round that really stands out to you? Drake I'm really, Lundin. I'm really stunned that you didn't pull the trigger on Cam Akers in the zero RB build in the seventh. That's on. That's honestly pretty. Uh, that's a lot of willpower. Uh, you must be really, really out on Akers. I mean, I'm. I've been drafting a lot more Henderson than Akers, and I see you ended up adding Henderson on that team. And um, we also so added Kyron. We also added Kyron Williams as an end game guy. Interesting. With the free look. I think there's a chance right. that Cam Akers falls um, and you're going to have a chance to get him pretty late in these late, late drafts. Um, in the seventh? That's pretty late. I think there's a chance Didn't that... he open uh, up in like the third? Yes. And we've seen Cam Akers. So we do an early draft like yeah. ridiculously early. And he was at the one-two turn. And then he's fallen and fallen and fallen. I think that for us... Um, we we wanted to build on our strength, and we liked Ayuk yeah. or Drake London. So we really had a Drake London versus Ayuk argument, okay. well, more so than Acres after using that AJ so, Dillon pick. So so what about this? If you could if you could reverse it, um, would you prefer to have AJ Dillon and Ayuk or Cam Acres and Chris Godwin? I I have big reservations about Acres. I think that. Okay. Um, so for me, I, I, I kind of prefer it. I see your argument with Godwin. I like prefer Godwin Akers to Dylan straight up, to be fair. Yes. I, I, so I'm, yeah. I'm Dylan, I'm team Dylan smashing at ADP right now. And I'm Akers disappointing. Um, and being, I see Darrell Henderson as the player you want to draft in that backfield, because I think that he's got a, a chance at a weekly receiving floor. And then if if Akers misses any time, I think that Henderson is going to be very useful, like top 15 yeah. every week. I don't see Akers as like a top 15 play at running back with Henderson this year. I think it's going to be more of a split. And I know McVay did not do that last year, but I think that's kind of the way that it's headed split-wise. Um, well, I agree with, with like the Henderson take. He's one of my most drafted players. I just took him in my last FFPC draft, I think in the 10th. Um, so even earlier than you did. Um where, where I would, I guess, push back is, so Acres, like, to me, and it's, I have I have Acres, I have reservations about Acres, absolutely. Like, I have injury concerns with him. I like Henderson more at cost generally. But by round seven, I mean, we kind of play the other way around. If Henderson gets hurt, you know, then what's Acres upside? Like, to me, A.J. Dillon, like, if Acres and Dillon, if all of Jones, Dillon, Acres, and Henderson are all healthy, I would be taking Akers to be outscoring Dylan, and then sure, I, I do think Dylan with Jones out is probably a better bet than Akers with Henderson out. But I do think we have to at least bake in, you know, with some of these fallers, 
what if the other guy's falling too? So I'm, I'm more team Henderson at cost generally, but man, acres in the seventh, I don't think I would be able to pass that up. I would, I would be smashing acres in the seventh personally. I, I just think that that's like, there's still an upside scenario where we just see what people were drafting him in the third round for, you know, a while ago and that acres in the seventh ends up looking really, really attractive. Um, Again, I don't have much acres, so I guess the idea of like drafting someone that that I haven't drafted much of at a much lower cost is pretty attractive to me. But um, that that probably be where I'd go. But it's interesting with with Henderson. I will say I I'm, I like the pick that you made for sure. I, I like Brandon Ayuk. My preferred option there probably is Drake London and Devonta Smith. I, I honestly I do like them a little bit more than Brandon Ayuk. Um, but I, I like Ayuk too. I see that as a pretty close tier of three. I guess my reason for liking. Uh, London will slightly more is just the target path is, is really open for him uh, where I think they're probably going to pass more as an offense than San Francisco based mostly on game script. And then you have London, I think is pretty clearly one of the top two targets. Ayuk's fighting with, with two other really strong players. And then Smith, I just want to be betting on the year two profile. So I understand it's pretty congested with Smith with AJ Brown and Goddard, not dissimilarly to Ayuk, but with both players being in fairly congested situations, target wise, Personally, I prefer to bet on the year two profile than the year three profile. So Smith is probably my favorite pick in that round. Um, but I, I really, uh, I think that Ayuk is also a really strong pick and London. And I, I prefer all three of those versus, um, I think, all the running backs taken that round, probably except for Cam Akers, who I think I have some residual uh, market respect for, I suppose. So I'll say this, Ayuk, London, and Smith, pretty much every draft I do, I walk away with one of them. Um, I yeah, like them all there. They're, they're very attractive at cost. You mentioned not too much into the running backs behind him. How about Amari Cooper or Kadarius Tony? You could be very short with this one. Do either one of them um, are either one of them very appealing to you at the end of the seventh round as potentially guys that can elevate a team, or is yeah. Cooper more of a purgatory guy at this point? Love Tony and manage because I think we're going to know really quick what he is. He's either going to be an every week start or he's going to be like potentially a cut. Um, you know, if he's playing 100% of the snaps, if he's playing inside and outside and he's playing and he's getting high target volume like he was when he was playing full time last year, then he's, you know, probably going to be potentially a top 24 wide receiver. Uh, and then, you know, his downside risk is he's going to be hurt all the time. He's going to be a part time player. He's not actually any good. I like players that we're going to find out about right away. So it's hard for me if I was going like with a more running back heavy open, which I don't normally do. But if I was, Tony's a tougher pick there because you're really going to need him to be in your lineup. But often where he's going around seven, round eight, I'm able to get him as my fifth or sixth wide receiver. And I think that's perfect for him because you're going to know right away, you know, where he slots in your lineup. Cooper, to me, is kind of just more of a best ball play because I think he's going to be in a really anemic offense. He's going to be a hard guy to trust week to week. But he's going to have that stable role. He's going to have spike weeks. I prefer him in best ball. He's, he won't be on any of my managed teams. Uh, going into the eighth round, um, we can ignore Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow. Um, is there anybody really standing out to you as a, as a potential league winner? And I definitely want to get your thoughts on Chris Olave. Um, but you can kind of pick and choose the guys you want to talk about here in this eighth round. Yeah, I mean, Hopkins is interesting and managed. It's interesting that he goes in the eighth there. He often goes in the seventh and best ball. He's a way better pick and manage than best ball. Um, yeah, I agree on that. Sit on your bench for six weeks, you know, versus eating up a wide receiver spot in your lineup. Um, so Hopkins is interesting there. Not a guy that I draft a lot of, but uh, I think that's an interesting pick. You know, Sky Moore is kind of similar back to Hopkins, honestly, where, you know, I don't think we're going to steal off from him early in the season, but I think he's going to get really interesting potentially as the season goes on and, this, and the, the ceiling by the end of the season is really, really high. Um, 
you know, that's a tough spot for wide receivers. Like once, once that Ayuk London Smith trio comes off the board, it's really hard to get super excited about any wide receiver as a season long starter. I think you're looking at rookies that have upside at the end of the season, but probably tough to start early in the season. And then you have some guys that I'm just not excited about drafting like a Robert Woods and a Tyler Lockett, who I think again are, are pretty boring to me, more best ball picks than managed picks where and they could be just taking, they could like, be dust also. When, I think maybe I'm not explaining this well. When I say more best ball picks than managed, like a lot of people think of best ball picks as like a Marquez Valdez Scantling where it's like, oh, we need this big, big play upside. Like I think Robert Woods is more best ball pick, you know, because in best ball, like guys that have consistent roles every single week, like that has value. Whereas in managed, like what is the upside you're hoping for for Robert Woods? Like if someone's upside scenario is closer to wide receiver three, wide receiver four, you know, or closer to RB2 rather than RB1, they're just not that valuable in a best ball format. So like running backs, like a Josh Jacobs, like a David Montgomery, wide receivers, like a Robert Woods, like a Tyler Lockett, like those are flex players, right? You're going to be able to get those guys off of waivers when you have good fortune. And when you think about how to actually win these massive tournaments, you're going to need to get lucky. So you have to build them to the assumption that some of your late round picks are going to get lucky, either with injuries or with roles. Either you're going to get lucky off waivers and you have to build the best possible roster around them. So I would way rather take a big cut at a DeAndre Hopkins or a Sky Moore or a Kadarius Tony, where it's like this guy, you know, either is going to be useless for me early in the season, but they might have a ceiling late or this guy might be really good, or they might just be totally useless, then like take like a total flex player, like a Tyler Lockett or an Amari Cooper. Um, you mentioned Chris Olave. He's probably the rookie wide receiver that I draft probably the least of, of this, of this top tier. Uh, I don't dislike him. I think he's a fine prospect. I, I just, I don't think he's as good of a prospect as Garrett Wilson and as good of a prospect as Traylon Burks. And he now goes beneath them. I, I guess that he's more likely to be a week one starter, I suppose. Um, but he's still competing for targets there with Michael Thomas, with Jarvis Landry, with Alvin Kamara. Um, I would personally rather take the upside swing on Burks, on Wilson, who I think are stronger prospects um, and probably drawing higher once they do get full-time roles in their team's uh, packing order. And, and Olave goes ahead of both quite frequently. So I'm, I'm not targeting Olave. All these running backs in this round are absolutely pretty rough to me. Um, none that I get particularly excited about drafting. I mean, Antonio Gibson now with the Brian Robinson news, it becomes a lot more attractive uh, for sure. Um, he would have been a guy that I would not have wanted to draft even in the eighth, like a couple of days ago, but um, certainly now I, I see the appeal. The, I like your call on Sky Moore and DeAndre Hopkins. I think structurally when, when you're able to carry those guys, you need to have a good wide receiver start and potentially a bridge. Dan Williamson and I have a football guy slow where we took Hopkins and then we followed up with with um, with Rondell Moore. So nice. we're hoping that we get a you know a nice bridge to Hopkins. Um, so in this round, it seems like there's no one that really that your your potential league winners would be Moore or Hopkins all, if there is one. All, all the guys that I like were drafted in the ninth. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, okay, so let's let's get to it. Let's yeah. get to it. Ninth round, we start to see a lot of the you know the the true values get sapped up in this round. Go ahead and talk. Um, who are your favorite picks in this round? So three of them for sure. Uh, so Rashad White, Melvin Gordon, Traylon Burks are all three of my favorite picks at, at cost right now. Uh, I understand why Burks has been falling, but I mean, he started the game with Robert Woods uh, in the last preseason game. He scored a touchdown. He played well. I understand Nick Westbrook, Akine wasn't there, but like I, he's Are we really concerned there. about Nick? I mean, I mean, like I, I get it. Like, and it's such a joke. Like Vrabel said he cut off his manhood to win a Super Bowl. I think he can get right. over it and play Traylon Burks. Um, and yeah, I think it's exactly. Cool. 
So, like, I don't think he's nearly as buried as it's been made out to be. It's so weird how everybody's reacted so much to Traylon Burks. I think Garrett Wilson's playing with backups, too. I I don't think anyone expects him to actually stay behind Braxton Berrios the whole season. And I don't know why we're more concerned about Burks staying behind Nick Westbrook-Kahine the whole season. So, I I think Burks is in a really strong position. He's of the rookie wide receivers. You know, he's probably the best bet to be the lead target earner on their team. And he has a really strong profile. So, I love getting Burks there a ton. And then Rashad White is probably him and Daryl Henderson. I mean, I can't believe Henderson lasts all the way to the 11th round. That's really phenomenal value white and anderson are probably my two favorite zero rb running back picks right now because i think that each has upside to have a standalone role um i'm sure that leonard fournette will be getting the high value touches but we've seen that tom brady just throws to running backs at such a high rate that even if rashad white is only going in for 30 40 percent of the snaps and they're all between the 20s you can still rack up four or five catches on those snaps in certain games and so i don't think rashad white is as dead for a standalone role as potentially people foresee and Daryl Henderson, you know, as we just mentioned similar, so I won't recap him, but, and then with white, I mean, he has honestly, his contingent value might be higher than any running back, not named Tony Pollard or AJ Dillon. Like, I mean, with how much the bucks throw to running backs, which how much they, uh, how many touchdown opportunities they offer the running backs. He's a guy that I just want on every single team. I, I would even take him as high as the eighth round. If I had to, I, I was able to get him in the ninth, the last, uh, draft that we did I, I think white is a really really big smash play especially if you're doing any form of zero rb or hero rb or even just like you've taken two early running backs and then none until rb3 like like they did i actually really like that um 17 um yeah i think white is just a really really strong bet um to make in these kind of later rounds where you're you're already you're not necessarily drafting for week one production and you have so much contingent upside and then melvin gordon is like boring but i also like him for similar reasons that i like henderson and white where he offers potentially some standalone value and then he offers a ton of contingent value and those are my favorite bets to make in this zero rb range is like who are the guys that potentially we could start at rb2 in a pinch um, you know, without anything good happening, but then also have top 12 running back in the range of outcomes. And that's where I see the guys like White and Henderson and Gordon kind of separate from guys like a Michael Carter or a Cordell Patterson or Rashad Penny, where I don't necessarily see that those guys have true top 10 running back in their range of outcomes, either based on their offense or based on how they get used um, based on their pass game skill set or, or whatever the factor is. Um, so that's why I really find myself attracted to White and Gordon and Henderson. I have a ton of white um, in a vacuum. I'm white ahead of Penny. Um, but for our build, we the potential week one usage was something we wanted to buy into. But I've been drafting an absolute ton of white, and I need to get a little more Mel, uh, Melvin Gordon. Without going into as much detail, is there a 10th round selection that you really, really like yeah. or a guy that stands out that could beat his ADP quite easily well, really in, a, like- in an impactful way? Well, I like both the tight ends taken in that round, Komet and Firemuth. Those are probably my favorite um, tight end selections uh, at value. Those two, maybe like Evan Ingram and David Njoku late. I think those are probably my four favorite tight end selections after the top five. Um, I I really don't think that there's that much of a difference between, you know, Dalton Schultz. It's unbelievable whenever I see Dalton Schultz go ahead of Kittle and Waller, by the way. That is unfathomable. It's it's insane. And it's also insane to see him in the fourth round. In yeah. my opinion, in general, it's yeah. like, oh, well, sorry, you didn't go ahead of well, Kill and Waller in this one. I, I misread the board, but still, even going in the fourth round at all, I think is, is really, really crazy. The last draft I did, he went at the three six. It's insane. And Waller and Kittle went at the four five turn. They went to the same guy. The the one team uh, double tapped them, and so the guy could have drafted Kittle or Waller in the middle of the fourth, but he drafted Schultz in the third. It, it was bonkers to me. Um, 
Anyway, I don't think that Fryermuth and Komet are that far behind Schultz, Goddard, and Hawkinson, and they come at so much lower of an opportunity cost. I mean, look at the wide receivers going around those three. Um, you know, Hawkinson actually falls to a decent spot here, but like if you look at it's like Elijah Moore's going around there, J.K. Dobbins is going around there. Chris Godwin's going around there, DK Metcalf, Juju. I mean, they're kind of all going in this range of these other three. And you're getting Fryer Muth, you're getting Kamat around, you know, a bunch of rookies, guys like Josh Palmer. You're, most of the high-value contingent running backs are off the board by that point. Um, really see those as much better bets to make than any of those top three or even uh, Zach Ertz and Dawson Knox, who go at a more reasonable price here. But I've seen those two go in the sixth round before as well, uh, Ertz and Knox. Um, so I think those are those are really nice bets. Fire moves that come out. I like Dawson as, as well. He's a rookie wide receiver who's probably starting week one, and the market doesn't seem to be as in on. So I, I think he's one of the better value rookie wide receivers. Yeah, your Cole Komet is discount Dalton Schultz. Um, he's yeah. got a very, it's got a similar situation in terms of targets, target share, and you can get him in this one. You know, six plus rounds later. Before we get your guys for the season. Um, I want to bring up one question in the chat from 1912 Fantasy. Mm. What is your take on Damian Pierce? No, don't draft him in the fifth round, you crazy people. Where would you be comfortable drafting him? I mean, I'm never going to get him where I'd be comfortable drafting him. I, I'm out yeah, on him you? the same reason that I'm out on Penny. I see him as an early down running back on a team that won't do a lot of early down running because their their team is terrible. Um, so, like – a loss amongst all the preseason hype was that Rex Burkhead still played in every long down and distance situation. He was still coming in for the third downs. He's still going to play the two minute drill. Like, I don't know. I just think in the first couple of weeks, we're going to see that Pierce, the starting running back, people are going to get really excited and they're going to see that that means he's going to have 11 carries for 46 yards and one catch for eight yards and no touchdowns because they're going to get the doors beat off them every week. Um, so I don't understand the Pierce thing. I, I mean, between the two, of course, I would way rather have Penny in the ninth than Pierce in the fifth. I think they should go back to back, like in the ninth, tenth area, where, like, sure, I, I get it in best ball again, but like in a managed league, when, when are you ever going to be confident the Texans are going to have positive game script enough to where Damian Pierce is going to be a good start? Like, I'm sure you'll have games where, and I'm sure Penny will have games. I'm sure that these guys will have games where they actually do win and they have 20 carries for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Like, I'm sure Pierce will have a couple of those. But I just think they're going to be really few and far between. You know, I don't even want to draft Nick Chubb at his cost, right? Like, I don't I don't want to draft early down runners on bad teams. I barely want to draft early down rushers only on good teams. Um, you know, I really don't want to do it on bad teams, and I really don't want to do it in the fifth freaking round. I, I would not be comfortable taking Pierce, like, until, like, the eighth or the ninth. I think it's a really bad pick. In a home league, for for instance, an eighth or ninth Pierce, you'd be up for. I'd be up for, but my home league dynasty rookie draft just happened uh, last weekend live, and someone took Pierce at the one hundred three. So I think the home oh leagues are are also uh, into Damian Pierce season. May as well may as well just send send Jacob uh, some money right now, fellas. Um, I, I want to. We're reaching an hour. Give us your guys, your favorite players to draft at quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver. Mm -hmm. You can choose to go with early round guys. You can choose to go with um, late round guys. Your favorite players to draft at each position. Yeah, quarterback, not even on purpose, but I've drafted this guy in all three of my FFPC so far. It's Kyler Murray, uh, he tends to seemingly go – he went pretty early in this last league, but I got him as late as the 809 in my last yep. league. Um, and I consistently see him go as the sixth quarterback off the board now. It seems like he's been jumped by Jalen Hurts. I still think he has about as good a shot to finish the QB1 as any of that top six. He's my um, most owned QB as well. It's gross it's awesome. how much Kyler I have. It's awesome value. 
Yeah, it's just I, I really do see those top six is fairly interchangeable, and he's so often the last one to go. You also have two stacking op or three stacking options often available after drafting him in Hopkins, Rondale, and Ertz, which gives you some flexibility. Uh, plus, you could get Marquise Brown earlier. Uh, I really like um, Kyler Murray. I, I love his weaponry this year. He has the profile that we want of a fantasy quarterback, and I think people are mostly fading him, I guess, because of the weird contract stuff. But I, I, I don't know. I don't think that he's that much different than really any of those top six. So Kyler, um, I mean, a tight end, my ideal scenario is that I just draft Kyle Pitts. Um, but if I can't draft Kyle Pitts, then probably my favorite of the late round tight ends is David Njoku right now. He's been running a route on over 80% of the dropbacks uh, in the preseason. Um, that's a really, really strong role for him. And if he's able to carry that forward, uh, you know, he's a guy that I think will be a potential like lower ceiling, but higher floor guy throughout the Brissette period. And then if you're able to make a sprint and you have with Sean Watson coming back, you know, he might have a really high ceiling towards the end in that, um, in that final sprint. So in joke, who's a guy like also Evan Ingram is the other late round tight end that I really like uh, wide receiver. Uh, my favorite pick right now is probably Juju Smith Schuster uh, around the four or five turn. Um, I, I think that he's been overrated as a player for most of his career. And I think now he's almost underrated, but he can do certain things. He's a, a really strong um, after the catch player. He's a strong player against zone. He's not able to beat press man coverage on the outside. He won't be asked to do that. He's going to be, and I think kind of a similar role almost to how Chris Godwin has been used in a fantasy sense where he gets to play a lot from the slot. He gets a lot of short area targets and he gets to be sort of that 20% target share, 20% air yards guy, but in an aggressively pass first, offense it's going to be super super efficient and it's going to score a bunch of passing touchdowns and we've seen with godwin that you can parlay that kind of 20 percent target share 20 percent air yard share role into really really high-end wide receiver one outcomes when you're in the right environment i think juju's in the right environment uh and he's my favorite of that round four wide receiver tier um that just leaves running back uh my favorite running back pick i talked about it, rashad white right now would be my favorite running back pick um it'd be a coin flip between him and, and Darrell henderson jr uh but those are the two guys that i think have youth on their side they have pass catching ability they have standalone value potentially at least they have a, a, odds of that and then you also have this this massive contingent upside and so rashad white i, I think i mean in the letter in the case of leonard fournette injury if rashad white is in fact clearly the two and I mean, by all accounts, it seems like he's, he's already potentially passed up Keyshawn Vaughn, Giovanni Bernard is, is Giovanni Bernard. Um, so if, if he's able to get that number two role and Fournette gets hurt, I mean, he potentially is providing like first, second round level value. So yeah. Rashad White would be my favorite running back. Player. We have one question we've asked every single guest since yeah. rookie drafts ended. Um, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Cooper Cup are going off as one, two, three um, in terms of the wide receiver ADP in pretty much every format. If you had to pick a wide receiver outside of those three to finish as wide receiver one overall, who would it be? Hmm, that's an interesting one. Uh, I will say A.J. Brown. Um, I think that when you look at most of the per-route type metrics, targets per route run, yards per route run, you'll often see that A.J. Brown is mixing in with the likes of Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams and all these types of metrics over the last three years. It's going to need him to stay healthy and it's going to need the Eagles to pass more than is being expected of them. But he has the type of target earning ceiling. He's flashed it on a per out basis that can compete for wide receiver one overall. 
And we saw last year that the Eagles at least intended early in the year to pass um, at an above average rate. And, you know, then they go and get AJ Brown. Maybe they want to get back to that. I think if we, if in the event that we see the Eagles wanting to pass at an above league average rate, and if AJ Brown is able to stay healthy, then I think he's going to be a top five wide receiver and he would be a guy that could compete for that wide receiver one chair. Awesome. You're in good company. Ben Gretsch had a similar uh, answer when we asked him that about two weeks ago. Okay. Um, Tell everybody where they can find you, Jacob. This was awesome. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore RTDB. Um, and you can find my written workout on Player Profiler. I just had my last uh, best ball article come out um, just at the end of last week. Uh, I'll have an article out soon previewing my season, uh, my in-season article, which is going to be focused a lot on uh, streaming running backs, finding running backs off the waivers, picking running backs off your bench to start each week. It's going to be called Hitchhiker's Guide to Running Back. I'll be um, – previewing that uh by probably about the end of this week then you can find me um on the full tilt dynasty podcast tonight uh we are having scott barrett on to talk about bold predictions for the 2022 season and then tomorrow i'll be on the fantasy alarm podcast gonna be drafting uh in the ffpc football guys challenge with kevin tompkins and Britt flynn and andrew cooper so lots of fun stuff going on and um yeah thanks a lot for having me awesome well tune in later tonight uh dan williamson Jack Hahn and Chris Eibel, three of the best auction players in the country for the high stakes realm, are going to have the auction show to end all auction shows. That's going off at 930. Thanks for awesome. tuning in and definitely uh, definitely follow Jacob. Um, super, super sharp guy. We're, we were glad this happened. Have a good day, everybody.